hello and welcome back everybody uh, for those of you tuning in we really appreciate it uh, we did not intend to end 2020 so prematurely but thanks to a couple COVID-19 diagnoses and a few other things happening in our lives we just found it easiest to cut it out um, we're back so for those of you who tuned back in we greatly appreciate it now let's get to some sports in case you didn't know College football did power through COVID-19, despite all of the very obvious signs that they should stop. Uh, they are going to have their national championship next Monday, possibly. <laughs> there is a chance that it will be delayed, but it is scheduled for January 11th. It will be between Alabama and Ohio State. How shocked are you that it's between Alabama and Ohio State? Well, Alabama seemed like a, a pretty likely team at the beginning of the season. I honestly didn't expect them to be quite the powerhouse they have been this year. You always know Alabama's going to be good, but I was really surprised with specifically Mac Jones and how he played this year. That's been the biggest surprise. And it got once you got to about the midpoint in the season, it became pretty obvious that Bama was a juggernaut, and they had what was right there. So what's been impressive about Mac Jones exactly? How do we know he's not just another, you know, AJ McCarron? Well, if you line up their highlights next to each other, A.J. McCarron was not a risk taker as a passer. A.J. McCarron was absolutely a game manager, which is what I thought Mac Jones was going to be. And he's not. He, If I had to come up with a quarterback of the past to compare him to, I would say he kind of reminds me of you remember Chad Henney from Michigan? Yes. He's a more accurate version of Chad Henney. That's what he reminds me of. All right, so he has the potential to be a very nice backup quarterback in the NFL. I honestly would say he's maybe a starter, but, you know, that's – when you're looking at a college prospect, you don't ever think backup, you think starter, and then you see what they got, and then you go, oh, yeah, you're a backup. Looking at you, Jalen Hurts. Looking at you – what is his name? Matt Barkley. That's what it was. Yeah, nobody thought Matt Barkley was going to be good in the NFL. Well, uh, who was it? Was it the Bears that drafted him? I don't think so. Remember he started for them at one point with Jake Elderger, but now he's the backup for the Bills, and I was looking at him, and it's his seventh season in the NFL. I was like, wow, where's the time gone? But, uh, yeah, so projecting out, so Mac, Mac Jones, the difference between him uh, is that he isn't afraid to take risks. And I, you could obviously look at Alabama's roster, and you can say that they have the biggest edge at their talent, at their uh, skill positions, right? They do. Um, honestly, when it comes to uh, quarterback, I give the edge to Ohio State. Justin Fields, while has had a statistically worse season, of course, with five fewer games than last year, has still looked incredibly impressive. His performance in their semifinal game against Clemson, six touchdowns, uh, did have a pick, but it wasn't necessarily on him, was a tremendous game. I mean... It was one of the best games I've seen a quarterback have, honestly. Are you talking just college football history? Like, all years of watching college football, that was one of the most impressive performances you've ever seen. I am, and the reason why is because he basically got his ribs destroyed off of a dirty hit in the second quarter and then came back to throw five touchdowns after that. My, the argument I've heard against the existence of whether or not that was a dirty hit, that was a massive hit, don't get me wrong. A lot of people are saying, then how would you teach people how to tackle? With your face up. With your face up? With your face up so and your shoulder pads. Mm -hmm. I get that your little league coach told you to lead with your head, 
but you were in Little League at least eight years ago. You're an athlete. You can learn how to tackle a different way. There are rules in place that say don't tackle this way. You learn how to follow those rules. Therefore, dirty hit. You know, it's also I'm, a player who's been ejected like four times in his career for targeting. So, dirty hit. Yeah, that just speaks to me. It's like, well, if they teach them since they're little, that just removes the accountability from the adult. Because the adult should know better than to lead with the helmet. Because, I mean, Drew Brees this year broke almost all of his ribs. That, that, that is the exact kind of play in which multiple ribs would be broken. And honestly may have been broken. Ohio State doesn't really disclose a lot of injury information. So we really don't know if Justin Fields was hurt on that, how badly he was hurt on that play. I agree with you. Uh, I hope he, I mean, he won me over with that performance because before I just thought, you know, he's another Ohio State quarterback, but, I mean, he wasn't there to bully Joe Burrow out, off of that team. And uh, Justin Day said that he's good to go for the national championship game, so we'll just see how his insights have recovered. Hopefully Alabama doesn't give him too hard of a time. Uh, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence, though, because the one thing that I was noticing with him is that his release is too long and that he doesn't stack up when he's pressured. Well, he does have a very long release, and that's part of him being about 6 foot 12. Um, and as for his face, how he handles pressure, it's interesting because you look at because a lot of his conference games against ACC teams, have not been great. So if you really want to see how he handles pressure, you have to look at his playoff games. And last year's game against Ohio State, as well as the previous year, uh, his freshman season, when they completely murked Notre Dame and Alabama, he faced some great defensive lines in those games that looked good in those ones. So I really don't feel like he has a tendency to look bad in pressure, but he did last week against Ohio State. And I guess that's reasonable to expect from any young quarterback, especially when you're looking at Clemson's offensive line. And it wasn't like he was holding on to the ball for too long. I mean, Ohio State is in the backfield within three seconds. And Clemson didn't have any opportunity to make any of those big plays down the field. And really, uh, if we look at who won the game, it was Ohio State on the line, and then Justin Fields uh, really manning up and giving him all types of problems. Do you agree? You can have to add it here. <coughs> Uh, yes, I mean, that's fair to say. I also think part of the reason why we saw Trevor Lawrence struggling so much with pressure is, unlike a lot of games throughout his career, he has not had he did not have the option to hand off. Because one, they were trailing. Two, Travis Etienne got banged up really early in the game and was not 100%. You know, if you're Alabama and your number one running back goes out, they just have someone else. Is Clemson not at that point yet? The thing is, Clemson has actually dropped off the last couple of years with their recruiting classes. Because I believe when they the recruiting class that Trevor Lawrence was part of, they were number three in the country. And over the last few years, they've dropped down to nine and 17 and now 22. So their recruiting classes are actually falling. There's a lot of reasons that I personally think could be part of that. Uh, namely Dabo. Right. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that they were as confident in their backup. Because they kept ETN on the field as much as he could be out there. Uh, but like I said, he was pretty clearly not 100%. Alright, so looking forward to uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we know the hair looks nice, but we'll just have to see how he performs on the field, right? 
so looking forward to the national championship game, Alabama versus Ohio State, do you think Ohio State's going to be able to generate the same amount of pressure that they were able to against Clemson? You know, I watched a few games of Alabama's this year, uh, namely their games against Ole Miss and Auburn. Those are two teams with decent defensive lines that were able to generate some pressure. So Ohio State does have the best offense, or sorry, best defensive line of any team that Alabama's played so far this season. But I'm still not sure how much pressure they're going to be able to get. Because Mac Jones is a really quick release. He's got really quick receivers, so he's able to just get the ball out in a hurry. Um, and the Alabama offensive line is monstrous, just like everything else they have there. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was talking about earlier is because I, I look at the Ohio State's receiving core, and I don't see the same talent and experience that I see on Alabama's side. Alabama does also feature the best offensive line in the country, Alex Leatherwood. So, one of the best names as well. Yeah, there's that edge again. So, uh, are, are you going with Alabama in the national championship game? Because that's, that's where I'm leaning. I, I really struggle to go any other way. I want it to be a good game, and I think it will be for at least a half, but I could see Alabama just coming out in the second half and finishing it. I'm looking at, tentatively looking at, calling it a 38-21 to 21 win for Alabama. Yeah. And props to Ohio State for making it this far. It's really hard to tell what they have there with the limited sample size. Uh, that win against Clemson was huge, though, and will go down as all-time great college performance. It was. It was awesome. All right, so we're picking Alabama. Uh, you have anything else to mention on the college football scene? Um, just, I guess I'm glad we made it this far uh, without anything too serious happening in regards to COVID-19. I know exactly what you need in your life. More practice squad. So give us a follow on Instagram at practice underscore squad underscore podcasts. Our posts are phenomenal. Our stories, probably even better. And our hairlines, undefeated. Again, that's practice underscore squad underscore podcast. Check it out and give us a follow. Squad out. All right, we're back. And now we're going to transition to a different football postseason. That'd be the NFL, who will kick off their wild card weekend this Saturday. Uh, some marquee matchups in the first day. Uh, the first game of the playoffs is one that I think might be the most entertaining, which is the Colts and the Bills. Hey, are you saying it's the most entertaining because the Bills have been hanging over 30 points on everyone they play? I think it's because the Colts can run with them offensively. I really do. I think that the Colts are capable of hanging with Buffalo. And yes, Buffalo did score 56 in last week of the regular season, but... I mean, you know and I know that that's not always replicable, especially once you get to the postseason. Yeah, it's always, I mean, th teams really buttoned down. What was really impressive to me about Buffalo's win last week is that that's been a really solid Miami defense all year. And Miami was going into that game with a chance to win and make the playoffs. It wasn't a strong chance. They needed some help. But if they won that game, there was a solid chance they were going to be in the postseason. And with them knowing that, they still got routed, lost by 37. Yeah, and that speaks more to me. But not It's not so much about Miami just rolling over, but more about the talent and how much everything is gelling in Buffalo right now. Mm -hmm. And the final 21 points for the Bills were scored by their backups. They pulled Josh Allen and most of their starters when they, after, their, after they scored up to 35. 
And that just, again, that speaks to, like, you score 35 points with a little bit more than two quarters of play against a really good defense. That's a really, really solid team. And to me, that speaks to that they're going to be able to go pound for pound, hopefully, with the Chiefs. That's the matchup I want to see. I want to see a rematch of that. But, uh, yeah, so do the Colts – why do you say the Colts have a chance to run with them? Well, it's a lot of it just going to be personal opinion, but – Every time I've watched Philip Rivers in a postseason game, he is it's like it's like the Brett Favre comes out in him. He's already got a little bit of that gunslinger mentality, but once he gets to the playoffs, it takes over. And I feel like he's gonna throw the ball probably forty four times, and I bet he finishes over three in a passing yards regardless of the outcome. Yeah, I mean he's a really tough bastard. He played the AFC championship game back in the day with the torn ACL, mm-hmm. finished the game out. And, you know, this is kind of his, his last rodeo to see if he can actually get it done. There's a lot of talent on Indianapolis' side. Uh, they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And Jonathan Taylor, surprisingly enough, finished third in the rush, rushing yards this mm-hmm. year. And uh, Buffalo has not exactly had a problem with that. But if Indianapolis is able to get up early and control the clock, that's going to limit, as always, the other team's possibilities of catching up. Which Buffalo doesn't seem too keen on running the ball a ton anyway. No. They're going to, this is going to be, I feel like this is going to be a game with a lot of passing yards. Both these teams are going to air it out. And I like seeing that. So, Yeah, me too. I'm excited to watch it. So what's the next game? Game two on Saturday is going to be the Rams and the Seahawks. Ugly. This game's going to be ugly. You say that, but are you still judging the Seahawks based off of their defense week one through nine? No, I'm saying that because the Rams have given them fits all year especially that later matchup that they had where DK Metcalf was held to a few amount of receiving yards. Jalen Ramsey's been able to go toe-to-toe with him. Well, I mean, you're right. Uh, What I look at, though, is I look at the Rams offense, which has been bad, kind of stagnant this season, going up against the Seahawks defense that started the year off on historically bad pace and closed it off, uh, playing remarkably well it was it was seriously like a switch was flipped between week one through nine and 10 through 16 10 through 17 yeah i mean the, the cardinals played them that's my team so the, the cardinals played them earlier in the year they were able to pull out the win and then the second time they played him was after the defense started picking up and they started they were playing so much more physical they crushed kyler murray and just kept the game just barely out of reach this seahawks team has found a way to win time and time again and they're battle-tested. Uh, but this Rams defense, to me, is what's really going to make the difference in this game. If the C- if the Seahawks find a way to get make big plays happen, the Rams offense obviously isn't going to be able to keep pace. Because all of the Rams offense managed against the so-so Cardinals defense last week was nine points. So if they can't find the end zone against the Cardinals, that makes me skeptical that they're going to find it against the Seahawks. Unless their defense plays a really, really great game, they're going to come out a loser here. Okay, well, uh, let's cover our last game, then we'll make our picks for Saturday. The last game is, well, it's the Buccaneers and Washington. Washington won their division. They did. That's kind of all I can say. Obviously, you guys know me. They've been listening for a while. I love Alex Smith. I'm incredibly impressed. I'm amazed, honestly, that he 
even came back to play football, let alone to become a starter and lead a team to the playoffs again. Uh, it's, it's truly amazing. With that, I'm just going to say I hope they can win the game, but I don't think anybody really expects them to. Okay, so here, here's why I expect them to. Because everyone's blowing smoke up the Buccaneers' butthole. And here's what happens to Tom Brady when he's under pressure. He doesn't play well. That's how the Titans got him last year. This Washington defensive line is one of the three best defensive lines in the entire league. He's got Chase Young. He's got Montez Sweat. He's got Jonathan Allen. And if they're going to be able to get to Tom Brady and make him turtle, then I see a, a world where Washington is able to win a really low-scoring physical game. Okay, you do make a good point. And also, I was uh, I was looking at Chase Young in an interview that he gave. He said that he wants to sack Tom Brady. That's So, I love that. I love a rookie defensive end going into a game and just being like, all I want to do is sack Tom Brady. All I want to do is knock Tom Brady on his... 43-year-old ass. Or 44. Or 49. Who 43. Cares? He threw the same amount of touchdowns this year as his age. I mean, yeah, he's remarkable. Whatever. He's got the cult of Brady, TB12, you know, all that stuff. I still want to see him lose. Like I said, they just locked Mike Evans. We don't know if he's even going to play. He's their number one wide receiver. Godwin's been banged up all year. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised one bit if Washington came out a winner in this game. Because if you look at previous history too, the Seahawks seven and nine, Panthers seven eight and one, they both won their opening playoff game against teams that had won more games than them the previous se- in in their season. Well, one of those was one of those was a weird one. It was the Seahawks beating the Saints off of Marshawn Lynch's insane performance that day. Yep. And the other one was the Panthers beating a Ryan Finley led Arizona Cardinals team. So. That is true. But you're, you're honestly better off snapping the ball to no one than Ryan. Is it Finley or Lindley? I can't hear. I think it was Lindley. Ryan Lindley. Yeah. San Diego State guy. Yeah. So uh, here's the thing, though. Antonio Gibson, really talented. Terry McLaurin, really talented. And uh, I can't remember their second wideout's name, but he's a really quick guy. He's a great second option on that offense. So unless the Buccaneers are able to make some bigger plays with Tom Brady, I'm seeing Washington coming out the winner on this one because of their defensive line. Washington's also discovered a uh, pretty awesome red zone option in uh, Logan Thomas. Yeah. He's a great big tight end converted from quarterback. Yeah, six foot seven tight end, former quarterback. Yeah, the dude put on a ton of weight to become the position player that he is. So props to him. That touchdown pass from Alex Smith last week was awesome. I mean, you also, like, you kind of have to. As weird as it is to say this, where, as opposed to where we were back in, like, July, you kind of have to root for Washington because of everything that's gone on. They've had, they've lost their starting quarterback through his own stupidity. Their coach fought through cancer, had to get IVs at halftime in certain games just to make it through the end of it, was getting chemotherapy throughout the season, beat cancer, and then, of course, you've got Alex Smith coming back from big leg injury that is equated only to a actual bomb blast as far as injuries go so yeah so that's why i root for them and hopefully this is the beginning of a culture change for that team yeah because um, there's other stuff we don't even need, need to mention you can google if you want 
but I'm, I'm rooting for Washington. I'm rooting against the Bucks, So I'm picking Washington this time. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to pick Washington. Now, uh, when it comes to the Rams-Seahawks, I'm, I'm holding strong. I'm saying the Seahawks. Yeah, I'm going to say don't be surprised if the Rams win, but I will also would not be surprised if the Seahawks win. So either way, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm playing both sides. I see the Seahawks winning that game fairly easily, honestly. I see that being the I see that maybe being the worst game of the Saturday lineup. Yeah, that's the game I well, that's the game I don't want to watch most because I, I hate both of those teams because they're my division rivals. Even though I love DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson uh, as people, uh, but uh, the thing that that strikes me as that game is like it's not going to be fun to watch because the, the defenses are just going to be playing off each other. It's going to be a punt fest. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Bills Colts. I know I said the. I know I gave all those reasons why the Colts could hang with them. I expect them to. I, I think they'll be able to hang with them, but I don't expect them to win. I'm going Buffalo. Yeah, I see the Colts as the good bad team this year, and I think Buffalo is going to win. All right. Well, let's transition to Sunday. Uh, so game one on Sunday is a rematch of last year's upset. It's the Titans and the Ravens again. Yeah. Just the difference is this year Tennessee and Baltimore are both significantly worse. But Derrick Henry's better. I, you know what? I think Tennessee is about the same, and Baltimore is worse. Baltimore is definitely worse. Tennessee's defense is significantly worse from last year. Yes, but their offense is better. Their offense is definitely better. A.J. Brown is taking the leap, and Derrick Henry just racked up over 2,000 yards. So I'm going to go ahead and say, well, we'll do that at the end. Uh, as far as the Ravens go, though, I... They need to get somebody consistent for Lamar to throw the ball to before I see them taking a big leap. Yeah, I mean, people say they have a really young wide receiver, wide receiver core, and, and you're right. Uh, you, we wish that a wide receiver could just come in and Here's the thing is, young, young does not equate to drops as a wide receiver. Maybe if we're talking about college and you got a guy transitioning from high school to like a Power 5 conference... But once you once you've gone from college, you should be able to consistently catch the ball by the time you're in the NFL, and especially when you're talking about a guy like Hollywood Brown, who is in year two now, and still dropping a lot of passes. Yeah, so he's definitely not performed up to the standards of other people that were drafted behind him. I can definitely go for that, and, and you're totally right because I mean. Beyond Marquise Brown, it's a lot to ask for a second-year player to be your number one option. DK Metcalf is a huge exception to this. And Marquise Brown, for his size and what's asked of him, he does a pretty good job, despite those drops. The thing is, though, is that he's thrown the Willie Sneed into average tight ends and whoever's at it coming out of the backfield. Yes, and I, I'm not saying they need to go draft a wide receiver. I said they need to get somebody. Mm -hmm. you're, you're seeing the leap that Kyler Murray took with DeAndre Hopkins. And you also look and see Josh Allen being able to throw a step on digs. It really, really helps when you have a receiver who can catch contested balls and creates separation. Going out on a hell of a limb there. I know. It's good for a quarterback to have a wide receiver that can catch. You heard it here first. Who can catch and get open. You heard it here first, folks. Yep. All right. Game two on Sunday. I honestly have no idea what to make of this one. It's the Saints and the Bears. The Saints, on paper, should win this game. The Saints also don't have a backfield because they're all in COVID protocol, and they don't know yet if they'll be able to play or not. Yeah, and the track record with athletes coming back from COVID is not good. No, it's not. And having had COVID now, 
Yeah, that that sucks. It's a rough comeback. I I was three weeks of very fatigue, very tired, having a hard time breathing, and that's just a regular dude. So yeah, you're not expected to run a four four forty. Yes, that's yeah. So that one's tough. And then you look at the Bears, and it's just. I mean, what what else can we say about Trubisky that hasn't been said? Uh, I mean, the benching did him some good. He's been a lot better since he came back from that. Maybe he was able to take time and actually figure out a throw to the other side of the field. Yeah, you'd think, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, don't be surprised if the Saints lose this one. They have a habit of choking in the playoffs or being robbed of a win. Both are accurate. And then the final game is a rematch at the final week of the season. We get the Browns and the Steelers. The Browns were able to pull the win out last week, but they did that against mostly Pittsburgh's backups because Pittsburgh is already locked in, already locked up the division. They sat a lot of guys that final week, and it was still a close win. And I know that those dudes on the other side for Pittsburgh still had a lot to play for. They're trying to play for jobs in the future, but... That was a little bit too close for comfort for them playing against backups. That was. The thing that was alarming to me was the Browns' defense is that they weren't able to force the turnovers that you'd expect playing against the likes of Mason Rudolph, who was a turnover machine last year. Uh, the difference here is going to be Ben Roethlisberger and T.J. Watt playing. Because T.J. Watt won the sack title this year without playing that last game. Yeah. And if Ben Roethlisberger is able to have games like he's had at times this season, then the Browns are definitely going to lose. All right, so running back through it, Ravens-Titans, game one, who you got? I am going to go with the Ravens because they're pissed off about last year. I'm going opposite. I'm going Derrick Henry because I don't think there's anybody on the Ravens that can stop him. True. But we'll see. If not stopping Derrick Henry is going to be enough to still keep the Ravens in, in the victory table. All right, so next game. saints bears Oh, I don't even know how to call this one. I I get too caught up in the history of the Saints and the playoffs and just how they've gone out the last three years. I don't know. I think it's going to happen again. I'm going Bears. Yeah, I'm going to go Saints because Trubisky. That is a very valid point. Because Trubisky is honestly a valid point. I mean, he almost won a playoff game if it wasn't for the double doink, but... He did almost win a playoff game. Tim Tebow also won a playoff game, so that's not the biggest Litmus mark test. of that's not the biggest mark of excellence when it comes to a quarterback. Yeah. And the final game is the Browns Steelers. For me, the Browns are the sentimental choice. I'm happy they made the playoffs. I'm really happy uh, for Baker Mayfield. I love seeing the leap that he's taken this year, becoming a real leader in the NFL. Still needs to work on some things as a quarterback, but really proud of that. Um, but it's too hard to pick them. After what I saw those last couple weeks of the season against the Jets and the Steelers, I'm going to go Steelers on this one. Yeah. I am going to be, for the sake of argument, I'm going to pick the Browns because Ben Roethlisberger, after having a week off, he's either going to look rejuvenated or he's going to look rusty, and I'm betting he's going to look rusty. Miles Garrett's going to shake him up early, and they're going to lose the game. Okay. Well, there we go. Yep, those are our NFL playoff picks. Those are officially from the practice squad. So uh, we're going to wrap up the podcast on a more serious note. I'm just going to let Joe talk. Okay. Um, 
Well, this was some tough news we woke up to uh, on December 26th. We found out that uh, Utah's freshman running back, Ty Jordan, um, had passed away. Uh, we later found out it was due to an accidental gunshot. Um, I went up to the memorial up in Salt Lake this past weekend, and it was it was a weird mix of like heartwarming and heartbreaking to see all of it because you just saw all these people that had taken their time to go out and put stuff down in front of the football facility, um, myself included, and. It was just you saw all these people that, for the most part, and I am assuming a little bit here, had never actually met Ty Jordan, just watched him play. And I know it's, there's always those people saying it's, you know, life is more than just a game, and it is, but, you know, you feel like you get to know somebody so well just watching them run the ball. And I felt like I really knew Ty Jordan, a li- at least I felt like I knew him a little bit, because you could just see the energy and the happiness and everything that he had on the sidelines. And you could see that he was a good teammate because every time he scored, there were people coming up, you know, high-fiving him, smacking him on the head or the shoulder because he's kind of a tiny guy. And just, you could tell how much he meant to his teammates. You could tell how much he meant to his coaches. And you can tell how much he meant to his fans. And it's just, it's so rough to lose somebody that young. And it was a tough one. Um, just, you know, he, he passed away just three days after being named the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. Just two days after being named to a Freshman All-American team. And you could tell that he had so much ahead of him. And I don't know. Go ahead and add to that, easy. I'll say that his legacy of uh, infectious optimism, uh, despite hardship, and his legacy of hard work and happiness are going to be felt throughout the years at Utah. Uh, there's going to be a scholarship named after him, and the Whittinghams have donated to that. So all I want to say is long live Ty Jordan. Uh, your memory will always be with us. All right, that's a good place to end. Peace out. Peace.